Welcome to our message for Pentecost Sunday. Our text today comes from the story of Pentecost, found in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, Ah, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, forgive us for what we've done to your body of the church. We divided it by denominations, by theologies, by opinions, and by quest for power. Lord, forgive us and help us to unite around who you are. Because once we unite, the world will know the goodness of God, and evil will forever be conquered. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. We are either united in Christ or we will be divided over everything else. The Tower of Babel actually serves as an example. The people were united at first as they began to build the tower. They spoke the same language and they shared the same goal. But they were working for their own vain purpose. They said they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to make themselves great in all the earth, that they wanted to reach up to the heavens without God. God noticed and even commented, nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. And so God is impressed with all that they can accomplish because of their unity. But their unity was about vanity, and vanity ends in ruin. As the story goes, God confuses the languages uh, making certain that, that unity around vain purposes will never lead to success. Without the ability to communicate, the work stopped. 
the people divided into their own ethnic groups and they spread out and began to populate the earth. Soon groups began to distrust other groups. Anything different has to be dangerous, they thought. And so war between, between tribes became the custom. Uh, most of our Old Testament scriptures were filled with one group warring against another group, uh, killing and maiming and enslaving other groups of people simply because they were different. Different is assumed to be dangerous. Our divisions led to destruction. It even happens in the church. We characterize the other side, whatever that is, as wrong or even evil. Then we can justify all means of attacking the evil. If they're the bad guys, we must be the good guys, and then anything we do to conquer the bad guys must be good, because we're good. It happened in Methodism in 1844. It's the first major division in our denomination. At that point, we were the Methodist Episcopal Church. In 1844, or thereabouts, the Bishop of Georgia acquired a slave through marriage. It's not one that he purchased, but he acquired one when he married his wife, and the, he says he couldn't find a good way to set the slave free. That's, of course, up for lots of debate. But after much debate, the denomination fractured in two. There was one group of Southern Methodists who uh, supported the bishop and said that he ought to keep his job. There was another group that said that the bishop should lose his job as long as he had a slave. And so we fractured into two denominations, the Methodist Episcopal Church and the Methodist Episcopal Church South, the latter favoring slavery. Other major denominations of the time went through very similar schisms. In fact, almost every major church in the mid-1800s went through a split over the issue of slavery. The division was pretext to our deadliest war. Once churches decided that we could divide over the issue, it was only a small step for the country to divide over the issue and to actually go to war. Brother taking up arms against brother. We lost over 650,000 troops in that war. Our insistence on being right proved deadly. One of the key problems with our divisions is that each group is actually convinced that it's right. You know, each side argues that we've got the right point of view, and then once we've made up our mind, we triangulate. That is, we pull third parties into our fight. We find people who will agree with us and against the other guys. Of course, the other group does that as well. They find a third party that will agree with them and against us. And so both sides get a larger and larger and larger group of folks that become enemies of the other side, and they go to war. You go to war with the other party. Since we're right, it's easy to justify attacking the wrong party by any means necessary. Division leads to destruction. Pentecost points to a better way. For 10 days, 120 Christ followers prayed in the upper room. The Bible says that they were in one accord. They came together. They were united. Now, that doesn't equal group think. There were certainly a diversity of opinions in that room and in that group. We see them develop very early on in the book of Acts. By Acts 15, 
Uh, all of these leaders who were in one accord in the upper room are have different opinions about the role of Judaism and Christianity, and there's a whole chapter dedicated to a meeting over their differences of opinions. But while they had diverse opinions, they were still united in Christ. They were committed to Christ. They were united by their love for and allegiance to Christ. He was not one of many allegiances. He was their only allegiance. When they were united, and we might even say only when they were united, then God sent the Holy Spirit. They spoke in a language everyone understood. When they were united around God's purposes, God removed the language barrier, the very barrier that God put in place at Babel. At Pentecost, God created once again the circumstances in which all things become possible. You remember what God said at, about Babel? Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Well, now we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we could only unite around Christ and around Christ's purposes, nothing would be impossible. If we could truly commit ourselves to the way of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, then we would actually have the power to end evil in this world. That sounds crazy. It sounds wildly optimistic, but it is the story of Scripture. If we could unite around Christ's purposes and be filled with the Spirit, all things become possible. If we could only unite in Christ. If we could truly choose his way over ours. Imagine what the church would look like. We have literally hundreds of denominations that can't get along with one another because each one of us is convinced that we're right. We're still the largest religion in the world. Christianity by far is still the largest religion in the world. Imagine if we didn't spend all of our energy on our own buildings and our own structures and our own fights against all the other folks who claim Christ. Imagine if we all united in one organization, one body. Imagine the impact on the world around us. Imagine if we didn't waste so many resources being different, but, compile, but, but compiled our resources into one for Christ's purposes. Imagine what could happen but it would require great humility to admit that we might not completely understand Christ's mind. Here's a hint, we don't. The people called United Methodists have not completely figured out the mind of Christ, nor have the people called Baptist or Episcopalian or Pentecostal. None of us have completely figured it out. We would have to accept that. Uniting in Christ would require surrendering our own positions in favor of Christ. Let's be honest, far too often we do our own will in God's name. We believe what we want to believe and then blame it on God. We hold our convictions and then claim they're Christian convictions simply because they're ours. But as long as we hang on to our own positions, we will pit ourselves against others who also hang on to their own positions. We must surrender to the will of Christ just as Christ surrendered to the will of God in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it will require seriously seeking God's will and surrendering to it. We'll have to completely dedicate ourselves to understanding who Christ is and what Christ wants, and then discovering that, discovering those sometimes difficult truths will require us surrendering 
to those truths and doing things Christ's way, not our own. The question of our time is, will we live in Babel or Pentecost? I pray that we choose Pentecost. Amen.